No, no. Only the eyes of a chief may see the e Bernista. This was not written for chiefs. Hear me. Hear this! Among my people, we carry many such words as this from many lands, many worlds. Many are equally good and are as well respected. But wherever we have gone, no words have said this thing of importance in quite this way. Look at these three words written larger than the rest with a special pride never written before or since. Tall words proudly saying, We the people. That which you called Eve Plebnista was not written for the chiefs or the kings or the warriors or the rich or the powerful, but for all the people. Down the centuries you have slurred the meaning out of the words, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this Constitution. These words and the words that follow were not written only for the Yangs, but for the Koms as well. The Koms? They must apply to everyone, or they mean nothing. Do you understand? I do not fully understand one named Kirk. But the holy words will be obeyed. I swear it. <laughs> about his guilt, Captain. But does our involvement here also constitute a violation of the Prime Directive? We merely showed them the meaning of what they were fighting for. Liberty and freedom have to be more than just words. Doctor, Gentlemen, the fighting is over here. I suggest we leave them to discover their history and their liberty. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast 234 for July the 5th, 2009. That scene that I played at the beginning there was my little, uh, you know, tribute to the 4th of July for those listening in the United States. It, uh, of course, is from the classic uh, original series Trek episode, The Omelette. <laughs> Oh, I got that slur out of the way. The Omega Glory, excuse me. E Plabnista. Yes, uh, I, I, that's a great scene. It's just, uh, don't even try to think about the, you know, the, the fact that these, you know, words are written on this other planet and all that. But it's just very, uh, pretty moving for people in the States, I think. I, I always like that uh, part. And that, that's a pretty interesting episode, too. I have to cover that sometime. I don't think I have yet. But not on this week, the Omega Glory, but we will be covering uh, the kind of history, franchise, uh, TV, movies, of the comics, of the character of uh, Batman. Yes, 
this uh, character is a favorite of mine, like many of the things that I cover on the podcast. And I, I did a special kind of Superman episode uh, a few months ago. And I've been wanting to cover Batman because I'm probably just as much of a fan of uh, the Batman character as well. And there's a whole bunch to cover. So um, let's get started. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Again, welcome to the podcast. That uh, was, of course, a version of the uh, TV theme to the 60s Batman uh, television series, which we'll be talking about uh, later on on the podcast. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Hope everyone in the States had a great 4th of July yesterday. We uh, saw some great fireworks from our house. There's a, a place nearby that uh, puts on a really good show. It's uh, called Lake Sherwood. It's a few subdivisions away from us. And uh, from our upstairs in our house, it's very easy when we look out uh, the windows that face uh, west, it's really easy for us to see these. They, they put on a really big show, and uh, it's very easy for us to see them. So I just kind of relax and do that. Uh, I, this year, I didn't really light a lot of stuff off. I, I haven't done that in the last couple of years. I don't know, for some reason or the other. Um, but uh, anyway, I have plenty in the past. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'm just taking a little break. Who knows? Anyway, happy 4th to everyone. I hope you had a great time and, uh, you know, barbecued something up good and uh, just relaxed a little bit. Going to have a good show, uh, talk about Batman. It's going to be a long one. Got some great uh, listener comments to play for you during the podcast, other things to cover. I I first want to thank some people for their recent donations, uh, Jedi Jeff, uh, Mike, or Feathers on the forum. Uh, You guys are great, and we've got some regular subscription donations coming in as well. Those are all very appreciated and useful, so thanks, guys. And if anyone else would like uh, to send in a little PayPal donation, just go over to treksinsci-fi.com, and you can click on the links there, and you'll uh, be taken right over to PayPal, and it's really easy to do. So, again, guys, thanks, and those uh, are just always great to get. a huge amount uh, to talk about related to the film. It's still playing. Uh, you can still catch another showing of it. Uh, 
They actually still are showing it in IMAX at the Detroit Science Center, where they uh, still have the Star Trek exhibition going on, which I still have to go see. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'm promising myself b- before the end of July to get down there to see that uh, it will be there till September. So I've got a little bit of time, but uh, it's really kind of ridiculous. I should have gone at least by now. Uh, what else? Uh, the um, one thing I wanted to mention related to the movie is all this Khan talk. They, they Khan keeps coming up as a possible villain for the new movie. They're even talking about uh, you know there's rumors and not really even rumor, but people are suggesting that how do you say that Javier uh, is the actor's name Javier something or the other? What's his last name? He was in that No Country for Old Men movie. Um, his last name will come to me eventually, but, uh, they're suggesting he has sort of, uh, I don't know if he, I guess he's, yeah, Javier would, would has a Hispanic background. So, um, you know, that might work. He has a similar look to Ricardo Montalban. So I, I guess that, uh, that's a good possibility. Uh, Bardem is his last name. Yeah, that's what it is. Javier Bardem. And uh, again, he was in no country for old men. He was kind of the bad guy in that, uh, I just, again, have to say, I, I really hope that they don't do uh, something that they've done before in past Trek, whether it's Khan or even somebody else that we've seen before. It just why? I don't really get it. I mean, I, if that's... I don't think for a second movie that's a good idea. Maybe down the road a little bit. Maybe perhaps if they want to redo something in a way like this, possibly. But it, people are going to just, I think, say, well... You, is that what your your plan is now? You just you're just going to, you know, you set up this whole new universe and now you're just going to re, retread over everything again. I don't know. Uh, that's enough about that though. It's still so early in this in this stage of this whole thing. These guys supposedly are going to start writing it later this summer, probably more next month, getting into it. So who knows? And uh, and who knows how much we'll know of the script even after they write it. Although I think there's going to be a lot more attention and digging. This time out, uh, given the popularity of the first movie, so uh, we'll see how that uh, works out. I wanted to mention for those out there who have bought the Blu-ray set, uh, you may be aware of this or may not, or the people maybe who haven't bought it yet, the season one of the original series, if you purchase that Blu-ray set, I guess they're now, uh, CBS is putting out some additional content that can be downloaded. Uh, You know, I think most of these Blu-ray players... Uh, and, uh, you know, if you have a PlayStation, of course, you, you can you hook it up to an Internet connection, and then you can download some additional content. It detects that you have that uh, disc in there, and it will go out and search for other content. Most, uh, you know, as far as I know, TV shows, movies, and things haven't really taken advantage of this very much yet, uh, as far as I know, at least. I don't have a Blu-ray player yet, but the this I just wanted to mention for the Star Trek fans. If you do own a, a Blu-ray player and the Season 1 Blu-ray set, check it out. There are some special interviews, little Easter eggs, and additional content that they're going to be, or they are offering already, and there's more to come. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Well, hello. This is uh, Scott here from Scott Podcast. I sent Rico... And um, email with a link to a file that I recorded where I, um, I told him about uh, many stories from my past going to different Star Trek conventions and places, some very interesting stories. It got pretty long and really wasn't suitable for uh, use just as uh, a 
clip in his podcast because it's almost a podcast in and of itself. So I thought what I'd do is edit the thing ever so slightly and um, just keep the storytelling part of it intact and it'll still, still sound like a uh, voice letter to Rico and post it up on um, my site where people can click and listen to it and uh, enjoy it themselves. So if Rico, if Rico will be kind enough to provide the link and uh, uh, either on his uh, web page or uh, I could do it on mine too, I suppose, that would be great. Um, I'm going to put the file up so it can be downloaded or listened to by anybody. What I did basically was I told probably like a half a dozen or more stories from over the years of myself and my... Um, some of the interesting things that have happened at Star Trek conventions, going back to the first one I ever went to in New York City, which was the 10-year anniversary convention, which would have been around, what, 1976 or 78 or so, somewhere in there, where I met some of the uh, original cast members. And, by the way, I recorded it all. And that was the other thing I was mentioning, is that I do have recordings of what I heard of the people speaking back then. And uh, I also I hope to, to digitize and put up the pictures that I took also at that convention. And they can be, so they can be viewed on my uh, multimedia site. I'm going to try to get to that here shortly. But uh, the idea being to kind of share some of this, or at least offer it up. I, I don't have the um, recordings up in any way on the internet but if somebody were interested in them I can put together a list of the people that I have talking over the various years that have gone to these conventions but the well thanks Scott for that uh, that yeah again Scott's somebody who's been around uh, a long time gone to a lot of conventions some very interesting stories to uh, share and has done a lot of audio recording over the years at different things so uh, he does a Scott podcast like you mentioned there and I will link uh, his information on the podcast notes for this week for those that are interested in listening to uh, what he has to say about his uh, adventures in Star Trek fandom. I become more and more concerned about Captain Edwards' permission to speak freely. Denied. This ship is not a democracy. He's increasingly shut me out of the decision-making process. I'm sure if the captain wanted to talk about these things with you, he'd talk about these things with you. You need to give him some space. This is a very close-knit crew, and I believe their displacement in time has made them more so. Do you have a problem with the order, Mr. Locke? It's difficult for an executive officer to do his job if the captain barely speaks to him. Why don't you just read his mind? I... I know about Catherine and about Stephanie. I am picking up evidence of what appears to be attacks on at least three outposts. Take us there, Mr. Palmer. I'm now reading a small ship. It's, it's lifting off from one of the dead outposts. Mr. Plummer, when we get in range, target that ship's engines. I want to disable him. You cannot rely upon me to simply pull information out of people's brains for you. That is not how this works. Return fire, Mr. Plummer. Hit him where it hurts. Engage warp engines now. You intend to go down there and take the doctor with you? Captain, the hatch! Who's 
side are you on? We're from the United Federation of- Lies! Which side? You just want to talk? Why did you shoot out my engines? Captain, I really think you should allow me to sedate this man. Stay away from him, Doctor. His vitals are weakening. I think he's dying. Dying? What was in that hypo? Get out! I know the guilt you feel because I feel it too. It's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. In an all-new adventure of Star Trek, the continuing mission. Coming soon to continuingmission.com. Yeah, that's uh, over at continuingmission.com, another audio drama uh, extravaganza from our friend Sebastian, Sebastian Pruth, who I talked to uh, quite a long time ago. I have to get him on again and talk to him how things are going with uh, Continuing Mission and the audio dramas they're putting out. Really well done stuff, and uh, you should definitely check it out if you haven't had a chance to yet. Okay, we just have a uh, couple things to cover real uh, quickly here before we get into the Batman segment of today's podcast. First, I want to thank uh, Java the Hut, uh, Andrew on the uh, Treks in Sci-Fi forums. He sent me a, a little six-pack six of this, uh, let's see, this Coco Rico-flavored uh, soda, natural coconut. And I just wanted to uh, thank him and uh, say I very much appreciate it, and I'm sipping one as I podcast today it's got a very mild flavor to it it's kind of a different uh, taste for a soda drink and uh, i'm enjoying it so thanks again uh, i really appreciate you sending that out to me uh next up uh before we get into batman vartok has a segment a uh this is his uh discussion and commentary about the uh, recent uh, dvd release of the movie fanboys so listen to vartok's review I think this segment is kind of long, but uh, interesting as well as his segments always are. So I'll be back afterwards to uh, get into uh, the subject of uh, the Batman. Hello, everyone. This is Vartok again with another Treks and Sci-Fi movie review. For today's segment, I'm going to talk about the movie Fanboys, I'll try not to provide too many spoilers. However, if you don't want to know too much about this movie, you may want to speed ahead a few minutes. Of course, being something of a casual fanboy myself, I thought it might be fun to see how far over-the-top die-hard fanboys might be in a comedy movie by self-admitted Star Wars fanboy Kyle Newman, the director. The film starts out with the famous Star Wars scrolling titles. short time ago, in a galaxy not so far, far away. The year is 1998, and it is a period of galactic civil war. Scratch that. There's no civil war. That would be crazy. However, the past 15 years have been a dark time for Star Wars fans. But there is hope. A new Star Wars film is on the horizon. In 199 days, 3 hours, 33 minutes, and 29 seconds, the most anticipated movie of all time will be released. Fanboys stars five main characters, four fanboys and one fangirl. It's 1998, at a Halloween party where several of the fanboys are dressed like Star Wars Stormtroopers and Darth Vader. One who isn't is actor Sam Huntington, who plays Eric Butler, a young man who thinks he is the only one of his childhood friends who's grown up and lives like an adult. Eric is the Luke Skywalker of the group, 
He is the level-headed one who eventually takes action. Actor Chris Marquette plays Linus, Eric's former friend who's quite bitter at him since he blames Eric for bailing out on their dream of creating comic books together. Linus, while suffering from cancer, doesn't let that control his mindset. So when Eric shows up at the Halloween party, Linus just wants to leave. Actor Dan Fogler plays Hutch, the wildest of the friends prone to overacting, lying, and bluffing. He is the continual loudmouth comedian, and kind of like a cross between the hot-headed Han Solo, the hulking Chewbacca, and providing the comic relief of R2-D2. Actor Jay Baruchel plays Windows, the nerdiest of the friends who laments having only slept with one woman in his 24 years. He likes to play the role of Darth Vader in costume, but Windows is really the weakest of the group, so he is actually the three sepio of the gang. And finally, very cute actress Kristen Bell plays Zoe, the lone fangirl of the group, and secretly likes Windows, who is oblivious of her feelings. Zoe is the Princess Leia of the group. I am going to play clips from the movie that contain some spoilers, but I'm not going to give away large parts of the movie, nor the ending. Throughout the movie, our fanboys are constantly testing their knowledge of Star Wars facts. Plotline? Fanboys is a road movie. Characters on the road to a dream, and their adventures along the way. Let's hear about the dream. Okay. Official episode one countdown is six months, 12 days, eight hours, and some change. I would sell my soul to see that movie right here, right now. Dude, I would... You see how serious I am? You know, we could see the movie. Bum, 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 bum. Okay? We drive across the country in one night. We break in to the Skywalker Ranch and steal ourselves a print! In spite of their professed dream, the trip is just not getting off the ground. The dream just continues as a dream. Hutch and Windows stop by the car dealership that Eric's father owns in order to share with Eric some grim news. We came to talk about Linus. Well, he just needs to realize that people lose touch. That's just kind of the way things work. He's dying, Eric. What? He's got cancer, man. He's tried everything uh, to get better, but nothing seems to work. I'd say three, four months, maybe. And you guys are telling me this now? We wanted to tell you months ago, honestly, but Linus made us promise not to say anything. The way we see it, you guys have been best friends since, like, first grade, so we figured you got the right to know, you got the right to make your peace. So now we know that Linus only has a few months to live. His cancer is incurable. And yet the countdown to The Phantom Menace, Episode 1, is still six months away. I have something else that you guys might want to check out. Well, what have we got here? Ohio to California. That's what I think it is. Linus laid the whole thing out in fifth grade. I just, I figure it's time for another epic journey, isn't it? What's your game plan? We storm the ranch or we die trying. Yeah. Maybe it's time that he does. Dude, this is a suicide mission, man. Why would we even try anything like this? For Linus. And now the plot is complete. The road trip is on. The four fanboys, Eric, Linus, Hutch, and Windows, climb into Hutch's aging black van with the Star Wars poster on the side and the R2-D2 bubble on top, and hit the road. The first stop is supposed to be to pick up Rogue Leader. 
Windows' cyber girlfriend, who can get them into the Skywalker Ranch. But Hutch has a different idea. Iowa? Yeah, I'm in a little detour. Hutch, we're supposed to be going to Texas. Welcome to Riverside, gentlemen. Future birthplace of one Captain James B. Enemy territory! One theme throughout the movie is a myth, to me anyway, that Star Wars and Star Trek fans just do not get along. There are several funny scenes in Fanboys where this is played up. Funniest of these is the conflict between the Trekkies and the Starroids in Riverside, Iowa. Very spot. Captain James Tiberius Kirk will be born, hence the statue immortalizing him grappling with his most accursed nemesis. Ricardo Montalban? Genetically engineered tyrant Khan. Yes, the gentleman in the, in the beige. I was wondering, what did Sulu find in Captain Kirk's lavatory? Sulu clearly found a standard-issue Starfleet Z-23 personal refuse device. I believe it was a captain's log. <laughs> Very good. A laugh a day keeps the doctor away, everyone. We've been saved. Ooh, any other comic relief? Ah! Hey! Yes, what? You, what? Yes. What is the Klingon translation for you're gonna die a virgin? Rachelmanto. Yep, yep, that's what, okay. Hilarious, everyone. Looks like we got more Lucas hounds here to mock Roddenberry. Onward to Texas, home to Jenna and Angela and Rogue Leader. Unfortunately, Rogue Leader won't be able to join our group. However, her father, the famous Star Wars blogger Harry Knowles, played by my friend Earl's Ethan Suplee, puts them to the test to see if they deserve to be helped to get into the ranch. What was Luke Skywalker's call sign during the Rebel Assault in Episode 4? Red 5. What is the name of Chewbacca's home planet? Well, it's never discussed in the movies. That's not fair. I, I know. I know. Do you give up? Come on, man, say it. Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk. Chewie's home planet is Kashyyyk. Chewie's home planet is Kashyyyk. It is at this point in the movie that fangirl Zoe is able to hook up with the boys and continue the journey to Las Vegas in search of the secret information that can get them into the Skywalker Ranch. At a Star Trek convention, the boys meet up with a very famous trekker who can get them in. I don't think we're alone. Yeah. You're late. It's all there. Maps, passcodes, phony IDs to get you past the front gates. But that's not what's most important. What's most important? We never met. This is unreal. How did you score all this stuff? Are you kidding? I'm William Shatner. I can score anything. To avoid giving away any more, I can only mention that the four fanboys and one fangirl managed to get into the Skywalker Ranch, of course. Do the fanboys get to see the Phantom Menace? Do they get arrested for breaking and entering? What happens to Linus and Eric? Is their relationship mended? How about Zoe and Windows? Do each of the fanboys ultimately follow their own life dreams? You will just have to get the movie to find out for yourself. And now, the poser for later in this podcast. What controversy existed over the plotline of Fanboys that was ultimately settled by, hold on, you the fans? 
Stay tuned, and I'll be back with the answer later in this podcast. Well, thanks very much, Vartok. Uh, yeah, I saw that movie, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, it was okay for what it was. Uh, some of the, you know, I think you said the the conflict between the Star Wars, Star Trek guys, you know, I've never really found that that's so much the case. I think it is with some, a few people, but but the vast majority, I think, you know, don't really have that situation where they're, <laughs> like some things happen in that movie where they're actually literally like fighting it out. So, um, but uh, thanks for that. And I will play later on the show after the Batman segment and discussion, we'll play the comment uh, that uh, in the poser question answer to that uh, that Vartok just asked you about. So onward to the Batman. Things like that only happen in the movies, Robin. This is real life. It doesn't pay to court disaster, Robin. In Gotham City, there's a foe of crime Catching all the criminals right on time Dressed in black with some pointy ears Fighting for justice and calming our fears Commissioner Gordon and his motley crew Calling up the red phone, asking what to do Sliding down the big pole, Bruce becomes a bat Checking on his gizmos, where's the action at? Fire shoots out from the cool black car Knocking down the detour so they don't know where they are Peeling out in gravel, the man he makes his way Fighting crime by night, but a millionaire by day An ordinary guy making all the right moves Pulling from his utility belt, he knows just what to do Fighting for justice, he's a real crime hater It's Batman, our caped crusader It's Batman, Arcade Crusader. The likes of Joker, Egghead C, Catwoman, Firefly, Poison Ivy, the Riddler, Two-Face, Harley Quinn, the Scarecrow, Mr. Freeze, and the Penguin. The dynamic duo, that's what Robin makes, fighting off the bad guys and doing what it takes. Batgirl's cool with Barbara on the bike All the cool costumes that I really like Biff, wham, zap, the henchman taken out Cleaning up the riffraff, that's what it's all about Conflicted on the inside, but tough all around Flying on his cable doesn't even make a sound An ordinary guy making all the right moves Pulling from his utility belt, he knows just what to do Fighting for justice, he's a real crime hater It's Batman, our cape crusader It's Batman, our cape crusader All the incarnation over years like that Different interpretations of the same old bat Love him or hate him, Batman doesn't lie He's the Dark Knight superhero, one cool guy To the Batmobile! An ordinary guy making all the right moves Pulling from his utility belt, he knows just what to do Fighting for justice, he's a real crime hater It's Batman, our cape crusader It's Batman, our cape crusader It's Batman, our cape crusader It's Batman, our cape crusader. Lieutenant Gordon, 
him, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? And if so, is he on the police payroll? And if so, what's he pulling down after taxes? That, of course, is our song uh, songwriter extravaganza producer of, of all the cool music and stuff that I use uh, uh, in songs and parodies and things on the show. Rick Moyer, uh, which you can find over at TakeHimWithYou.com. It, uh, you know, it's a great uh, mega subject to talk about Batman here. I, I almost don't even know where to begin, but let's probably get started at the uh, at the beginning of things. Batman, as most people know, I think started in comic books. Uh, he was originally referred to as the, just the Batman, and then sometimes the Batman uh, was just shortened to Batman. Uh, he was a fictional character, obviously, created uh, for comic books, uh, co-created by artist Bob Kane and writer Bill Finger. Although Bob Kane is, is generally referred to as the uh, sole creator of the Batman. He appears, or has appeared, uh, for uh, numerous years. This is actually uh, the 70th year or anniversary of his creation, so it's kind of appropriate that we're talking about it and doing a podcast uh, he first appeared in Detective Comics, which was a, a DC's kind of, you know, starting out. You can see Detective Comics, DC, get it? Uh, Detective Comics number 27 in May of 1939. Of course, the, you know, the whole origin story of, of Batman and slash Bruce Wayne or Bruce Wayne slash Batman has been told a number of times. Everyone, I think, or most people are aware, you know, he's this billionaire playboy, industrialist, philanthropist. But as a child, you know, Bruce, he witnessed the murder of both of his parents. Uh, you know, they were out for the evening, is the way the story generally goes. And they were uh, attacked or, or a robbery took place. And both uh, Bruce's parents were killed in that. And that pretty much set him on the path to become the Batman and, and you know, basically scarred him for life. He became so obsessed with fighting, you know, the criminals and the bad guys out there over what had happened to his parents. He, he, he basically vowed that, that as much as he could try to stop it, that that wouldn't happen to other innocent people in, in the war, you know, in Gotham City where he works. The fictional city, always sort of the idea that Gotham City was sort of like New York, basically, but they didn't call it New York. Uh, Marvel uh, and, and Spider-Man eventually became, you know, that, you know, Spider-Man's headquarters was New York, but Gotham City always seemed to suit the Batman. Very dark and dreary place, uh, a place that people didn't have much hope in. And Batman shows up and kind of tries to give them back that hope. You know, there's so much that's been talked about uh, for a long time about Batman and Bruce Wayne. You know, is is Batman really his alter ego? Is is Bruce Wayne the real person and Batman's the alter ego, or is Batman the real person? And Bruce is more of a mask that he wears. It, it, it's very interesting stuff, very psychological sometimes. I've read a lot of the comics over the years. I've seen all the films, the TV shows, uh, both the cartoon series. And we'll be talking a little bit about each of those as we go through things a little bit. But he, he's just such kind of a tragic character. You know, he just can't stop. And, you know, his one of the things about Batman is he's... Not only has he trained himself to be a great fighter over the years, he's not doesn't have any superpowers or anything like that. He has a lot of money, which helps <laughs> gets him to you know get all those wonderful toys and gadgets that he has. But he he's you know he's just trained and and become very physically fit and, and trained in just 
countless martial arts and abilities to defend himself. But I think always, to me, what made Batman a little more interesting, and they've never brought it out as much in in the movies or in any of the TV series as much as I think they they might or they should. They've tried to a little bit, but he's a he's an amazing detective. You know, his scientific skills and detective skills and his logic uh, are, are just unsurpassed in kind of comic book, and especially in the DC universe. He, you know, he eventually, I think, deduces and figures out that uh, Clark Kent is Superman because he's such a, an amazing detective. You know, nobody else, even people close to Clark, you know, never figured it out really, you know, it, basically. I mean, eventually some learn eventually of his dual identity, but uh, Batman is just, uh, you know, uh, unsurpassed in his ability to find things and detect things. And of course, you know, Batman, he has uh, this whole rogues gallery, this whole, you know, group of supervillains that uh, show up to to try to take him down and kill him and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, it's in the last couple of Batman movies, this was brought up a little bit, especially, I think, in the last one, In the Dark Knight. You know, he starts to wonder that if he hadn't pushed pushed the criminal element to to the point of, you know, getting them on the run and, you know, kind of trying to push them out of town, out of Gotham City, or put them in jail or whatever, that, uh, you know, did he create this, this supervillain? Did he sort of, in a way, create the Joker? Did he create these people that are are trying to take him out. In other words, does he cause sort of trouble even though he's trying to stop it? I've always thought that's an interesting point, you know. You know, it's the it's the yin and the yang, you know, for for every Batman out there, you'd need to have, you know, the anti-Batman, the the guy who's who's chaotic and crazy and and basically the Joker, uh his his, you know, biggest nemesis over the years. And and then the other thing about Batman is he's he won't kill. He doesn't he, he is so opposed to killing, especially with what happened to his parents, and you'll never really see him use firearms either. He, he's not a, a gun person at all, even for his own safety, you know, although I think some of this, I, I really started to read the comics probably 10, 15 years ago, uh, more like 20 probably Batman comics. I haven't read them as much as a lot of other people, and I think there have been instances in the past, maybe somebody listening will know, that he did uh, use a gun on occasion, but in general, that isn't the case. He he is very opposed to that, especially with what happened to his his parents. They were shot and killed, and you'll never generally see him doing uh, using a you know a machine gun or something like that, or even a handgun or whatever. But uh, he he is definitely capable of taking care of himself. You know, he has all the stuff that people have seen the bat. Uh, everything bat this bat that uh it's just amazing so uh hey let's play uh, one of the listener comments i'll take a little uh, sip more of my coconut cola rico cola here and i'm going to play one of the uh comments uh sent in to me and then i'm going to play some of the uh, music and themes and stuff and trailers from the movies and tv shows Hi Rico, this is Meds from Waffle On Podcast and of course the forums and uh, absolutely fantastic you're doing a podcast dedicated to Batman. So what do I think of Batman? Well, I was born in 1973 so when I was young I grew up with the television uh, series starring Adam West as Batman and at the time I thought it was a real fun program, you know, and uh, I wasn't then uh, a fan of the comics. It wasn't a bit later on when I went and rewatched the TV series. I realised that actually it was quite rubbish. Uh, apart from um, Cesar Romero as the Joker and Burgess Meredith as 
um, penguin. Uh, when you look at, uh, especially Burgess Meredith's portrayal of the penguin, it's pretty good. It's pretty spot on. And also Frank Gershon as the Riddler. I, I still see him, every time I think of the Riddler, he's the first person that comes to my mind. In the 80s, um, I started to get into uh, more of the comic books. And it probably wasn't really until 1986 uh, when Frank Miller wrote um, The Dark Knight Returns, um, which to me blew me away that it was so dark and so enjoyable. And later, of course, the Killing Joke comic, which just blew my mind, and I, I really wanted to see that actually as a film. Tim Burton's 1989 film was excellent. It was so good, so enjoyable. And there was a bit of a controversy regarding Michael Keaton taking on the role of Bruce Wayne straight Batman. And I, I found that really... I couldn't understand it because anybody who is into films will know that Keaton is not only a good comic actor, he's also a very good straight actor. His role in Beetlejuice, although a, a comic film, is very dark. And um, a little bit of that Beetlejuice acting does come out in Batman, especially when he smashes the... Uh, the rod into the fireplace. Uh, his film Johnny Dangerous as well, uh, you mix those two together and you, you've got virtually Bruce Wayne going on there and Batman. Um, I really did enjoy that film and of course Jack Nicholson does stand out as the Joker. I still maintain to this day that he is the best Joker, uh, even when compared to Heath Ledger. I know that's probably slightly controversy, uh, but uh, I don't care. Um, going on to the second film which was Batman Returns uh, wasn't too bad, still dark the others were pretty forgettable really although Jim Carrey did do a good Riddler the only downside to that of course was him wearing that all-in-one lycra bodysuit and I think the only person who can get away with wearing that is Brian C.D. on the forums uh, later on of course we, we get more comics the comics get better I'm a particularly big fan of uh, the artist Jim Lee I love his um, drawings of the X-Men and uh, of Batman. Uh, he's got it down to a T. I love to see that kind of muscular style comic book action hero. You want that. You don't want realism. You want that slightly over-proportionate sizes. Um, of course, recently we've had uh, the new film, or the two films, um, which have just been you know, mind-blowing. Absolutely great stuff. I hope they stick with the formula that they've got with the films. I really don't want them to go down the route of um, the earlier Batman films and also what's happening with the Spider-Man films where they feel the need to throw in, you know, so many villains. You lose the plot of it. Uh, Spider-Man did last time, you know. You, you had such great villains, but, you, you know, you can't have Venom and Sandman in the one film. It's ridiculous. And they did it with, you know, the Riddler and Two-Face with the Batman films and... Uh, I hope they don't go down that route. Just stick with one villain, stick with the Batman, and you'll have a good film. Uh, thanks for doing this podcast, Rico. Uh, I hope my comment's okay. And uh, take care, everyone, and I'll speak to you all soon. Thanks very much, Meds. Uh, definitely check out Meds Waffle On podcast. Yeah, I have uh, a lot of uh, similar uh, thoughts as yours uh, for the films and other things, and uh, I'll talk about those as we go. Let's start uh, going through some of what they've done in media uh, of, of the Batman uh, besides comics, of course, uh, one of the big things that happened was the 1960s uh, era TV series that that turned Batman very campy. I, I grew up with that series. I, I, I just loved it at the time. You know, I was a little kid. I thought it was great, and it was it was just fantastic to see. And growing up in the Motor City, I'll always remember. Here's a little side story, but the the Batmobile that was featured in the 60s. Uh, TV series was based on, I think, a Ford Futura, 
is that how you say it? Ford Futura? I think it is. Uh, body style. Anyway, I always remember I saw a car that uh, with that body, and I think it was one of those cars that they based the Batmobile off, and I thought it was parked uh, near me. Uh, near where I lived, and I, I said, oh, my gosh, does Batman live there? <laughs> I'll always remember that. I mean, I don't remember sometimes things that happened like a week or two ago, but something that happened, you know, I don't know, what was that, 30, 40 years ago or something? It, you know, it uh, it is in my mind. I mean, I can remember even kind of cl- climbing over this little bit of uh, fence to get a better look at this car that, uh, and it wasn't black. It was kind of a, if I remember, it was sort of a dark gray, dark silver kind of color. But the body, again, the style and everything looks so much like the Batmobile. I was just like, and a little kid, you know, you don't understand sometimes the difference between, okay, that's TV, that's reality. I mean, I kind of did, I think, but uh, it was just cool. I And I was just, I, I wanted to see some guy in a black suit run out to it and take off. <laughs> All right, let's get into the 60s TV show. That was probably the biggest, uh, you know, first attempt to put Batman into uh, uh, big entertainment on television. Yeah, so the uh, the 1960s uh, television series that lasted for three seasons uh, called Batman was was a very fun, rompy kind of camp uh, version of the of the show. They uh, first tried DC first tried to get it over on CBS. That kind of fell apart. That deal, and eventually ABC picked it up uh, with uh, 20th Century Fox uh, on board to produce the series. They uh, Fox 20th Century Fox turned the project over to a guy named Bill Dozer and his Greenway Productions company. And that was where they really got started on, you know, building the sets and the look and started to work on casting. Uh, This happened in, you know, in the late 60s, you know, 66 or so. They were going to premiere it in January. The uh, as far as the actors that they chose, there were two sets of actors that kind of made it to the final uh, casting. Adam West and Burt Ward were, of course, one team of Batman and Robin. They always had Robin in there for the from the very beginning. Uh, you know, Robin over the years has been sometimes a partner with Batman in the comics, sometimes not. Uh, I'd say most of the comics that I've read over the past uh, twenty years or so of comics in Batman is Batman solo, although he's had different Robins over the years, and we can talk about that later, too. The other set of actors was uh, Lyle Wagner, which some people will remember from uh, some you know 1970s-era TV, like Wonder Woman and things like that, and his his Robin, which was an actor named Peter Dial, but the uh, they really preferred the Adam West and Burt Ward uh, actors as uh, Batman and Robin, and you know, even though this show was campy, you know, Adam West and Burt Ward, they put their all into this. You know, the fighting, uh, you know, the, the, they they always treated it very serious. You know, they, they you can see that in their performances. You know, they're not really making jokes. It's not like they're, you know, cracking jokes with each other and looking at the audience for a laugh or something like that. 
they were serious. Some of the supervillains and stuff they'd bring in were a little on, on the overboard campy side. Like I think Meds mentioned some of them. Cesar Romero as the Joker was a big standout. Burgess Meredith, Frank Gorshin. They had uh, three or four different Catwoman, you know, people or actresses. Julie Newmar was probably the most famous, uh, a very famous model at the time, very tall and thin and uh, fit into that black uh, Catwoman outfit very well. Uh, Just had a a huge number of guest uh, actors that, you know, were fairly famous at the time and, and went on to become even more famous. You know, that was the fun thing about this series is each week, they would broadcast two episodes on Wednesdays, I think, and Thursdays. Uh, they were half hour each, and one would kind of be the setup. The villain would come in. They would put Batman and Robin into some kind of precarious little contraption, and, and then you would be like, "Stay tuned till you know next, you know next time you see Batman, or same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow, or whatever." And then you would see them kind of get out of it, capture the villain, and so forth. So they were kind of hour long shows broken up into half-hour segments with with this sort of suspenseful uh, you know, teaser at the very end of it to kind of get you to come back and watch the next night. Kind of an unusual situation. Not, not, you know, They'd never really done that on TV again that I can think of where they would do back-to-back shows uh, of a drama kind of thing like this with uh, a TV show. You know, comedy shows and talk shows are on every day and, and soap operas and things like that. But that's a whole different situation than drama. Uh, so, uh, a really, uh, just a fun show to watch. Uh, you see, we could talk a, a whole, uh, podcast just about the sixties TV series, but we've got a lot more to cover. One last thing I wanted to say is in the third season, they, they introduced Yvonne Craig as Batgirl, who, which, uh, was, was a lot of fun to watch. They were trying to keep ratings up and, and get a little new interest. And there was a little song they made for Batgirl, and I'm going to play that for you now. And then we'll come back and uh, move on to some of the other TV and movies. What's on Barbara's mind, Charlie? Is she about to go into action as that domino dare doll, Batgirl? Batgirl, 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 Batgirl. Where do you come from? Where do you go? What is your scene, baby? We just gotta know. Batgirl, 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 Batgirl. Are you a chick who fell in from outer space? A couple of uh, last bit of uh, information, and there are um, a lot of things, that, again, that we could talk about the TV series here. Uh, just let, uh, One thing I wanted to mention is they actually almost got a fourth season, another season. NBC came in and wanted to pick up the show, but they had already torn down the sets and everything like that, so they the offer was a little too late uh, to do that, and it didn't really make it. The... Uh, Another interesting thing about this series is, even though so much is out on DVD these days, there are uh, there are no official DVDs out for the Batman TV series, which is just shocking and amazing, really, to me. There's been a lot of legal battles between DC and the networks and, and the right holders and all the different actors that were in all the different shows. You know, they had guest stars every week. So it's it's frankly, unfortunately, a complicated mess to um, to get these things out on DVD, which is very sad to me that uh, they can't figure out a way to do it. So uh, and there's a lot of like kind of people have taken the they broadcast them on TV and VHS. People have 
converted their own and made their own DVDs. You can find them online, look around eBay and things like that if you want. So let's move on to uh, one other last thing. Uh, I keep saying that. They did do a Batman TV uh, series into a movie. Uh, they did a, a movie, which you can get on DVD. And here is a early promotion that uh, Adam West and Burt Ward recorded for the movie version of, uh, that was kind of a little spinoff from their TV series. Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest Tell them, Robin. Holy superlatives, Batman! It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals that ever plotted to take over the world. Number one, the Riddler. Question, who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? Number two, the Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> Number three, the Penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble, Batman and Robin. <laughs> Number four, the Catwoman. Oh, you're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. All right. Yeah, that's a great movie to see. Definitely check it out. Uh, uh, you can get that one on DVD. All right, let's move on now to 1989's uh, Tim Burton version of uh, Batman uh, starring Michael Keaton in the main role. Every punk in this town is scared stiff. They say he can't be killed. They say he drinks blood. Is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Vicky Vale. And what do you do for a living? He's a tired old man. Can't run this city without me. Your luck is about to change. When freak terrorizes, wait till they get a load of me. He's out there right now.
is, of course, 1989's uh, it's a trailer there for, which I had a hard time finding a very good audio uh, version of it online. I could have pulled out my DVD, I guess. But uh, that, again, is Tim Burton's version of the Batman from 1989. With Michael Keaton in the main role, Bruce Wayne Batman. Uh, we also have, of course, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I, I really like this movie a lot. I think they did a lot of good things in it. Very interesting uh, dark, uh, and uh, really, I think the character, was they had him down pretty well, and I agree completely with Meds about Michael Keaton uh, being able to handle this role very well. I know, again, there was controversy at the time. I can remember when I first saw this movie how popular and how crowded the movie theater was the uh, opening night. Uh, I can still remember going to see it with my friends. I think we had to go to, like, eventually, like, the latest showing of the day, like midnight or something, because it was so sold out. But this movie, I think, did a lot of good things uh, and put Batman on the right track. And, and something but happened along the way, which we'll talk about here uh, very soon. But, uh, again, the the essence here was good. The only thing I really had a problem with in this movie, since I knew the character of Batman fairly well, was the fact that they put together the idea that, that uh, the Joker, uh, when he was this sort of mobster-type character and, and just kind of a thug, uh, was the one that originally killed uh, Batman's parents, Bruce's parents, uh, which is not the case. You know, in, in the comics, it was another person. It was just a, a, a robber guy, nobody special, nobody big, uh, much like Spider-Man in a way who killed his, his uncle. Uh, this is just, just a guy, I think in, in Batman history, it's it's generally referred to the guy who did it, his, his name is Joe Chill. But, they, you know, they made, uh, again, the Joker and that character the same, one and the same person in this movie. For most people, I don't think that was probably a big deal or a big issue. But it isn't the case. That isn't uh, the real uh, or, the, or the basic uh, general origin story of Batman. The, the Joker was not uh, the one that killed his parents. So, And they didn't really, I don't think, in the most recent one, in The Dark Knight, that never came out that way either. So at least they're sticking more towards the comic in the, the true origin stories that have been done for a long time. Next up, uh, let's get into the follow-up to this, Batman Returns, which I think it came in 92, like three years later. And, uh, you know, they have Michael Keaton back uh, and uh, a very similar kind of look to this movie, and I think a pretty good one as well. So here's the, uh, the trailer for that. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. save this city is a creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she 
craves a romance she can sink her claws into. You're catnip to a girl like me. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Gotham! So there you have Batman Returns, uh, 1992. Uh, it's again uh, with Michael Keaton in the main role, uh, Tim Burton back on board. Also, uh, a couple of new villains: Danny DeVito playing the Penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, who was perfect. I can't do the purr thing uh, as well as she could. So <laughs> I thought she did really a good job in the role. This is a fun movie, a good movie, uh, a solid effort, and I, I like a lot of the things that are going on in it and the look of things, and I like the sort of winter motif for Batman, too. You know, there's a lot of that, uh, he, you know, he's in black and, and, and snowing around uh, Gotham and everything like that. I don't think they've done that before. You know, sometimes it'll show Gotham raining or whatever, but having it set in the wintertime, I, I like that idea, and it, it kind of helped with the Penguin and all that. Uh, for that film. Now I'm going to slip over into uh, the, uh, a little bit of the animated shows because I'm trying to kind of go pretty much in chronological order. Uh, in the fall of 1992, probably the, maybe the best uh, Batman, uh, maybe the best Batman TV series they've done, but the most serious uh, was an animated series called Batman the Animated Series, uh, which, which had a, a just a terrific animation style, good stories, Solid voice acting. Kevin Conroy uh, has probably been, you know, the the best voice for Batman uh, maybe ever. I, he just really was was good in the role. Uh, I, he, at least you can understand him, not like Christian Bale, where it's like, <laughs> he's really got to lighten up on that a little bit. I mean, there's one thing to be, I'm Batman, I'm scary, ooh, you know, but. I don't understand you, uh, and I, I I have to mention if if you haven't seen it before, go to YouTube and, and look for the spoof of Batman interrogating the Joker, where there's this uh, this guy that did both parts and edited it together, and and he really played with the whole like you couldn't understand uh, Christian Bale as Batman. Uh, you'll you'll find it. It's got like 10 million views or something on there. But I'm I'm spinning off on a tangent. Let's get back to the animated series. Here is the, the theme to the show, which uh, w was also very well done. This is a very stylistic show, and uh, if you've never seen it and you're a fan of Batman, definitely find it on DVD and check it out. So here's the theme to Batman the Animated Series.
One of the great uh, things about the animated series was some of the, again, the voice acting that was going on. Mark Hamill, uh, Luke Skywalker, uh, of course, uh, did an awesome job as the Joker on this TV show. Uh, let me go through some of the other guest actors that did voices. Paul Williams, Adrian Barbeau, John Glover, Richard Mall, David Warner, Michael Ancera. Uh, just a whole Henry Silva, uh, Roddy McDowell, Ron Perlman, Mark Singer, uh, Ed Asner. I mean, they just they just had a huge number of... Uh, Kate Mulgrew was actually one of the guest voices. It, it, it just an amazing group of talent that did some of the voices for this series. Uh, it just uh, really astounds me. Again, it lasted from 92 to 95. Uh, the music, I think, was still Danny Elfman, who did some of the Batman uh, movie music in the first films. Uh, really good stuff and well worth watching again. Uh, I can't get over how, how good this series is and how well uh, it's held up, really, too. So... Very stylized, and Bruce Tim, I have to mention, Bruce Tim was majorly responsible for the visual style of this. Uh, definitely, it, it really owes its whole look to him. So uh, it aired on Fox, and it's all available on DVD now. So let's move over into discussing a little bit more on the movie side of things. But first, I'm going to play one more listener comment. I've got a couple left, I think, to play through this. This one's from... Um, uh, Mike uh, Feathers on the forum with a short little uh, comment on Batman. Hi there, Mike from London here, just with a couple of comments on Batman. Uh, Batman's always been an odd one with me. I grew up with the classic US TV series on television in the 70s. Uh, watched an awful lot of that. Never really got into it, never particularly liked it. I don't know what it was, whether it was, whether it was humour, whether it was slightly too camp, whether it was slightly too wooden could pick on any of those depending on what day you catch me on but sort of never meshed well with with my brain i guess F movies were certainly better but again there was something about it maybe it was a bit too much of a, a comic book feel to it i mean that could even be it but again gotham city just seemed far enough removed from what i understand reality to be that never I don't know, I never quite managed to suspend my disbelief that far. I was always watching a film. Yeah, it, it was. they were good films, but there's a certain failure to mesh with my concept of reality. You know, Superman managed it, um, sort of Smallville and the like. Metropolis seems to be close enough to close enough that I'm willing to accept it as, as possible, I suppose, but never got that far with Gotham. So I'll be interested to see what you make or to hear what you make of it this week. As I say, it's... Well enough made, but I have to say I'm not really a fan. So let us know your take, and uh, I'll listen with interest at the weekend. Cheers. Well, thanks, Mike. I, you know, it's always good to have someone who, who maybe isn't quite as excited or or likes something that we're talking about as, as much. You know, it, it definitely, Batman's a, a unique character, the movies, the TV shows, the comics and all of that. And I can, you know, I can totally understand why some people might not be uh, working for, you know, works for them as well as as other things. Uh, I, you know, obviously everyone listening to the show knows that I like comics a lot. So again, he's always been an interesting character to me. But uh, thanks for your comment. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip real briefly through the next couple of movies because I don't think they're nearly uh, up to the level of the other two that we talked about, or even anywhere near the, the last two Batman films. So what have we had? I think six total Batman movies so far up to this date. Well, not counting the 60s movie. 
So I guess that'd be seven official ones. Uh, the new one, or the next one in the in the in the series after Batman uh, Returns, was Batman Forever in 1995. This they turned the directing hands over to Joel Schumacher, who basically turned this thing much more campy. Uh, Batman Forever, not quite as much. The next one after this, though, Batman and Robin got even worse. Uh, a few interesting things, though, and there are still some interesting and fun points to these movies. We had Tommy Lee Jones as Harvey Dent slash Two-Face and Jim Carrey as Edward Nigma or the Riddler in the Batman Forever movie. And, you know, in Batman Returns, they went with the idea of two villains. In Batman Forever, they kind of continued that as well. I think you can get along with two. Uh, I, I'm a little bit more with meds, you know, in saying I think one solid good villain is, is the best situation. But, you know, it depends on the, on the pairing, I think, a little bit, and the casting and a lot of factors. But the other thing that really, the big change here was in Batman Forever, Michael Keaton wasn't back. Uh, I'm not really sure why that was the case. If they didn't offer it to him, if they, if I, I couldn't really find out, uh, I should try to dig that up a little bit more. But uh, anyway, uh, let me pause that. I'm going to check that out. I've got it right here up, uh, some information on it. Okay, here, uh, this is what I found out. Basically, uh, when they turned the production over to Joel Schumacher and Tim Burton wasn't back, that uh, Michael Keaton really didn't want to come back. He said he wanted to pursue more interesting roles. He actually turned down $15 million. They did offer him $15 million to appear in Batman Forever. But Val Kilmer took over the Batman role, and they, they you know, I think he worked okay in it. I think that was all right. I think he w he played a pretty good Bruce Wayne slash Batman. He's a, a fairly physical guy, uh, and uh, he does know some martial arts, I believe, in rea in real life. And I think his, some of the fighting scenes in this movie are pretty well done. But it it, it really just didn't fly. You know, it, it was just a little too campy. Uh, I I don't think Tommy Lee Jones was really right for Two Face. I think, again, Jim Carrey, like Meds had said, I think did a good job at, as the Riddler. Although I, I agree also, I think his outfit was, uh, some of his outfits in that he wears, I think, a suit at certain parts, and then he wears that unitard thing. And you're right, uh, Brian on the forums is the only guy that should be wearing a unitard, that I know at least. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, so that's about it. Kind of forgettable. Rene Auberginois, you know, Odo from uh, Deep Space Nine, was actually had a little part in this. He was um, the head doctor in Arkham Asylum, so there's one little tidbit for you. So this movie did have some good music, though. I love the the Seal song, uh, Kiss from a Rose, I think is the name of it, that they used in this movie, uh, and uh, just some, you know, good things. But, uh, again, didn't do a lot for me. And then the follow-up to this, uh, which was called Batman and Robin, which was was even worse, basically, in my opinion, then, uh, although I, I, I really feel bad because I always thought George Clooney would make a good Batman. And uh, the last movie, uh, Batman Forever, introduced Chris O'Donnell as Robin, and I thought he was pretty good. But uh, Batman and Robin, you know, you had uh, Batgirl introduced, you had Arnold as the Mr. Freeze, you had Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. And, and really, when you look at the cast, you go, gosh, this is a good cast, they should do well. It just isn't. Joel Schumacher and the direction and the script. This one came out in 1997. Uh, it just is. It's it's just if you want to have kind of a little bit of a laugh, watch it. But it, it's really not that good. Uh, now let's move on to the two mo modern, more modern, and I'd say the best of the Batman films so far. 
Uh, the first one being Batman Begins. Tell us, Mr. Wayne. What do you fear? How do you know my name? The world is too small for someone like Bruce Wayne to disappear. Your parents' death was not your fault. My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is? A legend, Mr. Wayne. Master Wayne, are you coming back for long, sir? As long as it takes to show the people of Gotham their city doesn't belong to the criminals and the corrupt. Bruce? Rachel? You were gone a long time. I know. Things are worse than ever down here. What chance does Gotham have when the good people do nothing? No mix survival suit for advanced infantry. Terrible large utility harness, gas-powered magnetic grapple gun. What's that? On the tumbler? Oh, you wouldn't be interested in that. I spent a lot of time being scared for you. I heard you were back. But the man I loved. The man who vanished never came back. He's here. Who? The Batman. Isn't beyond saving. Just hold up. Guy dresses up like a bat, clearly has issues. <laughs> Yes, this movie uh, really rebooted the uh, Batman franchise. It went through the kind of origins, the development of the Batman character. Batman Begins uh, came out in June of 2005. Had a running time of 140 minutes. Christian Bale is Batman slash Bruce Wayne. Budget was about $150 million. Uh, made about $375 million gross. So did very well. Christopher Nolan directed it uh, and did an amazing job of really, really getting to the essence of the character of Batman and Bruce Wayne. It very much follows, uh, you know, Batman's origins, how he travels the world to learn different things about fear. And, and you know, that was the whole point of him becoming this this costumed bat character was to strike fear into the hearts of villains you know the the villains are very uh, fearful and superstitious lot is is mentioned many times throughout batman history and he he spends years abroad studying uh, under this liam neeson's character who turns out to be actually a villain Ra's al Ghul and is is out to basically bring chaos to Gotham and the world, and Batman eventually has to go up against him. You also have uh, this uh, Crane character, the Scarecrow, in this movie as well, played by uh, Cillian Murphy. Morgan Freeman is a, a trusted Wayne Enterprises employee who 
comes up and gets all these cool little gadgets that that Bruce takes and uses in his you know for his bat suit partly and the batmobile and it's nice to see some real world connection there that he doesn't just go off into his bat cave and build all this stuff that he uses things that uh through his connections of having this huge organization and this business Wayne Enterprises he uses that leverage and uh and ability to get things to uh, his advantage as uh, his, the alter ego of Batman. Just a great job here. Uh, so much could be said about it. Again, it's just the look of it. Uh, Christian Bale as Batman. Bruce Wayne, I think, does an excellent job in this movie and in the next one. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. It's just a great job overall. I, the, I, I just can't say enough. Really love this movie quite a bit. This one and The Dark Knight. Uh, are to me tops uh, and and the truest Batman uh, films or or every you know any kind of entertainment they've ever put out to really get as close as they could to the comic book character without uh, you know having just pages of a comic you know flashed up on the screen or something like that. So uh, excellent job, excellent cast, and then we move on a few years later. Uh, that just came out, uh, I believe, uh, was it just last year? Yes, 2008, which would have made it three years after Batman Begins. We had The Dark Knight. Where do we begin? A year ago, these uh, cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. I mean, what happened? So what are you proposing? It's simple. Kill the Batman. <laughs> Here's my card. Bruce, this is Harvey Dent. Just tell me everything about you. I certainly hope not. You once told me that we'd be together. Did you mean it? Don't make me your only hope for a normal life. You're Alfred, right? That's right, sir. Any psychotic boyfriends I should be aware of? Oh, you have no idea. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Well, hello, beautiful. You look nervous. See now what have to become to stop men like him. The night is darkest just before the dawn. I promise you, the dawn is coming. And here we go. Come on. This city deserves a better class of criminal. I'm gonna give it to him. You'll see. I'll show you. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yours become the villain. Will you be wanting the bat putzer? Middle of the day, Alfred. Not very subtle. The Lamborghini, then. Much more so. The, there you got. <laughs> it's just great to listen to. I just want to pull out the DVD and watch it all again. Uh, the Dark Knight from last year. 
last summer. Budget $185 million. Christopher Nolan back directing. Christian Bale back as Batman, Bruce Wayne, uh, and Michael Caine, Alfred. I can't say how you know enough. He's he's fantastic. Uh, and, of course, uh, the late Heath Ledger as the Joker. Uh, amazing job by him. I mean, I... I I'd like to think that if he hadn't had, you know, an untimely death, that everyone would have still appreciated his performance in this movie as much as they, uh, as is it really, as it's worth, let me get it out, as I feel that it's worth that. He just completely embodies and is the Joker, this this force of nature, this chaotic force of nature that Batman has to face in this movie is, is a perfect, it's just perfectly done. And again, he is, to me, the best Joker ever. I I just think he did an amazing job in this movie. He just doesn't care. There's just so much to to watch, every little nuance that he does in this movie, every little thing. I mean, this movie made like a billion dollars, literally. I'm looking at gross revenue, uh, one billion one million nine hundred and twenty one thousand eight hundred and twenty five dollars as of what I'm looking at here now. That's a pretty big chunk of money. <laughs> you know, so there's gotta be something good going on here, I think. And uh I, I know a lot of people saw this, I think, just because of you know, Heath Ledger passing. People may have never even seen a Batman show or movie before. And, you know, I hope that that made them interested in the character and interested in the movies. Uh, there's so much, again, I could talk probably the whole podcast about just this movie itself. Uh, a great story, very solid. Uh, it, it, some people felt that it maybe got a little long, that, that the, the introduction of uh, the Aaron Eckhart's character of Two-Face Harvey Dent, you know, they maybe could have left that out a little bit. I don't know. I thought that that all blended in pretty well, and I, I felt the movie moved well. I, I just was blown away when I saw this movie and, and still am when I see it again. Uh, it's just a fantastic film, one of the best uh, comic book, if not to me, I'd, I'll, I'll probably just say it here on the show, this is probably to me the best comic book movie that they've ever done, Any anyone, better than just about anything I've ever seen. Just in getting to me what the essence of the character is all about and putting it up on screen is just great. And a villain that just is somebody that you can really be scared of. I mean, this guy is just nasty, scary joker in this movie and uh, again fantastic job um i'm gonna play i've got one more clip here from a listener to uh comment on batman and i'll be back and we're gonna try to wrap this thing up it's getting very long (laughs) but we don't have too much more to go to the batmobile let's go atomic batteries to power turbines to speed roger ready to move out Hi everyone at Trixon Sci-Fi, this is Data from the forums. Uh, as you can hear in the background, I'm playing the 1970s Batman theme. Uh, and what an awesome piece of music it is. Apart from the 1989 movie by Tim Burton, um, I've got a real soft spot for the original Batman with Adam West and Burt Ward. Uh, I think its main appeal for me uh, is the feeling that it jumps straight out of the comics onto the screen um, with the great angles it's shot at and the colours uh, and basically just some of the cheesy lines. Um, so what we're going to do now is I want to play the um, theatrical trailer for the original Batman movie. Uh, just let you have a listen. Um, thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Bye. 
original Batman trailer. Um, just want to say thanks to Rico. Uh, this has been a, well, all your shows are great, um, and hopefully I can get some more comments into you soon. Uh, this is David signing off. Bye. Thanks very much for that, uh, Mr. Data. I uh, I had to edit a little bit. Uh, obviously, you heard if you listened to the earlier part of the podcast, but I played some of those things, uh, the trailer for the uh, 60s movie already, so I trimmed that out a little bit for you. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks. It's uh, so much to say about Batman. I mean, again, it's hard. When, you know, I, th- I think about, hey, I'd love to do a podcast about Batman. I slap it down, and then when I get to do it, it's like, oh, my gosh i got to try to cover that in an hour and a half, and uh, it's hard. I I skipped over. I wanted to cover a little bit more about some of the other cartoon series. They did a series called Batman Beyond, which was good, sort of Batman in the future with a new uh, person playing or or taking on the role of Batman with an older Bruce Wayne kind of mentoring him. That's a good show, a good cartoon series. lasted a few seasons. And then there was one just recently called The Batman, which kind of showed you the early days uh, of, of the character, uh, learning about being Batman and that. And they did a good job with that. I think that lasted three or four seasons. Uh, but again, it's just great stuff to watch. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing another Batman film with Christian Bale. I haven't really heard a lot. I mean, I mean obviously, they're going to probably be doing one and, and when and all that. I'm not sure Christopher Nolan will be back again or not. I know that's a bit of been a, a bit of a question. I think he wants to move on a little, but... I don't know. I think he really enjoys working with Christian Bale and doing these movies. So we will hope to see another one in a couple of years, another Batman film by those guys. So hope I've covered things pretty well for you. I, again, it's there's a lot of information. You go to Wikipedia or other Batman websites, bat sites out there, and you can find out all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'll leave that to you. I, I do want to play now, and then I will finally wrap up today's show. This is the answer segment for Vartok. Remember that? Back when he was talking about fanboys an hour or so ago in this podcast, he's got his answer here for you, and I'll come back and have my goodbyes for this week's podcast. everyone, this is Bartok again, with the answer to the question posed earlier as to what controversy existed over the plotline to Fanboys. Well, the release of the movie was delayed for two years. The film was originally to be released in 2007. The movie was pushed back to January 2008 because director Kyle Newman was given more funding to shoot additional scenes that the original budget did not include. Additional delays occurred, and the reshoots would now be done by director Stephen Brill. Then it was reported that the cancer slut plot was going to be removed, basically making this road trip all about raunchy, vulgar fanboys. Upon hearing about the changes being made to the movie, an internet campaign was begun to protest the plot changes and demand that the original version with the cancer storyline be released in theaters. Stephen Brill retaliated in a derogatory manner, calling fans losers in online correspondence, which ended up in the public domain. Kyle Newman chastised Brill's behavior, saying, If you're going to go in and recut somebody else's film, even though you're not even a fan of the subject matter, 
just because you want a paycheck, then do that. But don't go opening your mouth and alienating the core audience of that movie. The DVD version was released on May 19, 2009, the day of the 10th anniversary of The Phantom Menace. So how appropriate was that? I left out several other side adventures the fanboys experienced along the way, not to mention all of the crude sex humor parts that make it a PG-13 and quite unsuitable for small children. One of my favorites is the Cantina bar scene, where the boys find out it is really called the Mantina, a biker men's gay bar. Throughout the movie, there are scads of cameos. Besides Bill Shatner, whom I mentioned earlier, Seth Rogen plays two parts, Wrecker Admiral C. Schultz and a tattooed pimp named Roach. Carrie Fisher plays a concerned doctor. Ray Parks plays a security guard at the ranch. Billy D. Williams is a judge. And Kevin Smith plays, well, himself. Fanboys only rates a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes and yet a 6.9 out of 10 on the IMDb where Vartok suspects there are fanboys pumping up the score. I can truly recommend it for all you fanboys and fangirls out there. If you don't count yourself as one of those, you probably just won't enjoy it enough. Well, that's it for this Treks and Sci-Fi movie review, and now back to you, Rico. Well, thanks, Vartok. Uh, yeah, I knew some of those controversies about the movie, uh, about fanboys, but not all of those. I didn't hear about the one guy kind of bad-mouthing uh, fans, uh, which is, you know, just sometimes there, there's a guy I used to work with that used to like to say, uh, never give up a golden opportunity to keep your mouth shut. That was kind of like his, he had that uh, printed up over, over his desk because he actually had a tendency once in a while to say things and kind of stick his foot in his mouth that he probably shouldn't. So, uh, you know, it's better to just not say things sometimes. So we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for your uh, very detailed review of Fanboys. Uh, looking forward to hearing some more of those and more of your musical uh, reviews as well. Again, uh, everyone, thank you for downloading today's podcast. I knew it was going to go long. Uh, I apologize that uh, hopefully it, it doesn't disrupt your listening habits too much. I, I know uh, when you get used to something a certain length, but we're only a little bit more than an hour and a half right now. I was going to maybe do a collectible. I've got a, a, a little uh, 136 scale Batmobile from the 60s TV series. I've got a few other things. I've got a little Batarang. Uh, they've got a lot of Batman stuff, but uh, a few little odds and ends uh, around the uh, Rico's basement here. <laughs> um, anyway, next week on the podcast is unknown right now. <laughs> the idea was to get a guest to host to do a show next weekend. I think people are really busy over the summer. I don't know what's uh, going on. I haven't had anyone take, uh, take me up on this offer. If anyone out there listening has got something they'd like to do, or I might just even uh, put my uh, put a shout out to the friends of the podcast. You know the other people who do podcasts who are on the forums, and that maybe we might uh, do one of their shows. Slip it in here and maybe uh, allow some people to listen to it that haven't given it a shot yet. So I'll think about that, and I'll post something up on the main TreksInSciFi.com website here in the next couple of days, or I might just do something myself. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. But I will be posting a new schedule of the next few weeks, uh, editions of the show up very soon. So, everyone, uh, again, happy 4th of July. Uh, it was yesterday, and you may be hearing this days later or weeks later or who knows, but uh, I hope people who celebrated it have a good time, didn't get burned by a sparkler or anything like that or a firecracker go off in your hand. I did that once. Ugh, not pleasant. <laughs> 
And uh, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at this. I don't want to say a lot about it, but my uh, my job search has some new doors have been opening lately, and uh, I, I might talk more about it next week, depending on what the podcast is about. But just wish me some luck. Uh, there are some new things churning away on that. So uh, that's it, everyone. Check out treksandsci-fi.com, the forums, put a review on iTunes, all of that stuff. Visit the friends of the podcast out. Uh, just uh, everything you can find over at treksandsci-fi.com will lead you into those places. So take care, everyone. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. This podcast, copyright 2009, Rico, treksandsci-fi.com.